welcome to Deeper, a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church. Our podcast follows the Sunday sermon and aims to help our congregations go deeper into God's Word. Welcome everyone to Deeper and our sixth episode in our Upside Down Kingdom series in Luke's Gospel. My name is Clayton Ryan and I'm a member of the 9am service. And this week I'll be discussing Luke chapter 18 verses 31 to 43 with one of our pastors and first time podcaster for this term, Rod Bailey. So Rod, it's great to have you uh, here on Deeper. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, you know, for somebody that turned 50 last year, and I, I just had an eye test yesterday, and they told me I need glasses, but you know, I'm, I'm all up with that. that. That could be helpful. Well, that's pretty good that you went 50 years. I think I managed about 15. Well, yep. I, I've got to be happy with where I've got to. Excellent. Much happier that when, than your uh, football team's result last weekend. Ah, look, we won't go there. You know, anything over 40 points loss is just, you know, needs to be forgotten. Yeah, as a Dragon supporter, I'm happy with a 12-point loss. So. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, now, it's easy after preaching a sermon, I think, just to, to move on, as it were, to the next sermon that you have to write and start thinking um, straight away about that. And you'll be preaching again this coming week, but before you get your mind too focused on chapter 19, can you please share with us what God has laid on your heart in response to this passage after all the time you've spent uh, preparing and preaching it last Sunday? Yeah, I think that the theme of blindness really is um, bigger than it seems. It's only in this passage, specifically in our series in Luke 17 to 19. And yet, as you reflect around the passages uh, running up to it and following it, um, it is an ongoing theme. Um, people that don't see Jesus as they should, um, others that you don't expect to, that Jesus mm. goes to and respond and, and see him clearly. So, yeah, that's really struck me. And I think um, with that, how Jesus goes to those who are on the margins mm. and how, you know, that's a challenge for us as we think about, um, you know, our own opportunities to share the good news. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it really sort of fits in with that upside down kingdom really well, this idea of blindness. Yeah. In so many different different walks. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you, you have the rich young ruler who you'd think would be somebody that gets it straight away, who yeah. doesn't. And here you have a guy on the side of the road who understands it completely, and yet people are shunning him. Yeah. So. All right. Now, the challenge for any preacher is summarizing everything they've prepared into a 25 or 30-minute sermon. And here's the real test for you, Rod. Can you please remind us of the main points of your sermon last Sunday? And you've got two to three minutes. Yep, happy with that. Um, <laughs> my big question is how can our spiritual blindness be removed? And I had two <laughs> points to answer that. Uh, firstly, by recognizing Jesus' identity. And then secondly, by accepting the king's crowning. And those two um, answers were just looking at the two sections I um, looked at uh, verses 31 to 34 second um, and that was all about um, what Jesus was going to in Jerusalem the mm -hmm. crowning of the king ultimately in his death and resurrection and then the, the story of the blind man Bartimaeus um, really about recognizing Jesus identity mm. excellent thank you I think that's the quickest summary we've had so far well done now before we think about the passage itself I wanted to ask you a bit of a preaching question uh, so sometimes uh, when you guys preach, you might decide to leave out sections or you might decide to focus on a technical matter like the Greek or something, or you might decide to completely avoid it. 
altogether. So in this um, section, so Luke wrote his gospel from verses 31 through to 43, but you've decided to firstly look at verse 35 to 43 and then come back um, and look at verse 31 to 34 as your second point. So why did you choose to divide the text like this and go in the reverse order? Yeah, it was because as I looked and thought about my big question for the passage, which was mm. around, um, you know, as I've just said, uh, this issue of spiritual blindness being removed, it became clear to me that um, really doing them in reverse would help um, answer that question in the sense mm -hmm. that the second passage was about somebody entering the kingdom in terms mm -hmm. of the blind man and him identifying Jesus correctly. Yep. But then um, the initial part in verses 31 to 34 was really people who already understood that as his close disciples yeah. who then were struggling to think about the nature of his kingdom. Yep. And so I thought reversing that helped us twofold. Uh, one was um, you know, it was better to talk in that order. You know, We need to identify who Jesus is and then to rightly understand his plans and his kingdom. Mm -hmm. But it also helped us to finish um, with the disciples who we can more readily relate to. Mm. You know, the majority of people sitting in church on a yeah. Sunday are already believers. Yeah. So what does it mean for a believer who already identifies Jesus as the son of David? Um, where can they go wrong? Where can they be spiritually blind? Yeah. And then to see, well, we can be like the disciples where, you know, we fail to see the kingdom in the right sense. You know, there's implications for Jesus' lordship. In our mm -hmm. lives that flow out from that. Um, but if we don't know uh, what his focus was in coming, um, then we're really misapprehending his plans and that will affect you know how we think yeah. about our own faith. Yeah, great. Thanks for that. It's really good to think about some of the behind-the-scenes thinking of um, how we structure our sermons and put them together. So thanks for that. Now, is it just me or are we seeing that as Jesus is getting closer and closer to Jerusalem, there seems to be this repetitive theme that's starting to appear of recognizing who Jesus really is. Yeah, certainly yeah. not just you. I, I think it's, um, yeah, it is a bit of an ongoing theme through this section mm. of Luke's gospel. I mean, you've got back a few weeks ago when we were in chapter 17, yep. looking at the story of the 10 lepers. Yeah. Only one of them returns and he fully identifies Jesus because he throws mm. himself at his feet in really a posture of worship. Yeah. Um, praising God. Whereas the nine Jews um, had run off yep. and were just enjoying their yeah. newfound freedom. Yeah. Um, and so he gets it. The others don't. Um, and then again with the rich young ruler or a certain ruler that we looked mm. at um, just the previous week. Um, yeah, he's somebody that you'd expect to get it. Um, but immediately straight off the bat, he's using good mm. teacher, yeah. which could be just, you know, um, uh, just a politeness yeah. of, um, you know, I better acknowledge uh, yeah. This man and his authority as I bring a question to him. But there's no sense that he really sees Jesus as the Messiah who has all authority. Yeah. Um, more just a rabbi that he should test his thinking on. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that we see this ongoing theme coming up in several of these episodes. Yeah. Now, you brought out a really helpful contrast um, in your points about between Jesus and the crowds. So this idea of Jesus has compassion, whereas the crowds have this prejudice. You know, Jesus is consistent, yet we see the crowds are fickle. So what danger can crowds be for those trying to live lives for Christ? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's easy to be swayed by non-Christian friends, whether it's uh, work colleagues, uh, whether mm. it's mates that play in your sporting team, mm. uh, non-Christian friends. Um, 
you know, they don't accept Jesus as Lord. And so your efforts to obey his word, to follow him, seem misguided mm. to them, uh, unnecessary constraints, yeah. so on. And so they'll always be pushing you to think, well, you know, in their mind, because of their permissive approach to many things in their life, you know, why would you worry about this or that? Uh, and so I think this concept of peer pressure, which we understand clearly in high school, mm, yeah. doesn't really leave us in high school. Yes. You know, as adults, we're still surrounded by people and we're influenced by their opinions and yeah. either to please them or to fit in or, you know, even to drift into their thinking if we're surrounded by them more than, yes. you know, fellow believers. Yeah. And so there's a real danger there that we start to lower the bar mm-hmm. of what Jesus has taught us and we become permissive in our attitudes to lots of things that yep. our society says is okay. Yeah. I think social media, I think, is a real danger, I think, of how we can, without even realizing it, just go along with the crowd. That's right. Yeah, I yeah. think our media has a huge influence today because we're so yeah. more connected than ever. And yeah. so we're we're drinking in values from what we're hearing in the media as much as we are from friends or peers. Yeah. Um, and both things can be a negative influence or yeah. a degrading influence, if you want to put it that way, on our values. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting to think through how we can recognize that in our own circles and our own our own lives yeah and I, yeah. I think this is where people you know that drop out of um maybe their home group or they start becoming yeah. inconsistent at church mm-hmm. becomes really hard because um the god's voice through reading his word and hearing mm-hmm. it taught and fellowship with others starts to get drowned out yeah, by yeah. these larger voices that are surrounding them yeah and that's really uh, you know is a, a sure sign that um, we're going to start to drift in our thinking because mm-hmm. we're just not hearing from God. It's not piercing, yeah. you know, the drowning out this other noise yes. that's constantly in the background, this white noise, as it were. Yeah, which again come, comes back to the first point of recognizing who Jesus is. Mm. Yeah. Now, I find these, some of the verses here pretty amazing that the crowds are telling the blind man, you know, he's saying, what's going on? And they're saying, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And then he immediately calls out, not Jesus of Nazareth, but he calls out Jesus, son of David. And so perhaps this is a follow-on from the last question. What do these verses tell us about how we might view Jesus? Yeah, um, I mean, we might limit Christ's authority. Um, It's a misnomer, it's a misunderstanding, but sometimes believers will talk about really wanting Jesus as their saviour, but not as their Lord. Yep. And so they're happy for you know forgiveness and the yep. hope of heaven, but they don't really want him to shape their lives and their decisions. Mm. Um, and so you know, it can be that we want Jesus to fit in with our lifestyle, as it were, rather than submitting to his word. Mm. And so I, I tend to refer to this often in church as um, the Jesus as your life coach uh, yep. rather than Jesus as Lord. Mm. And... Um, there's a great danger in that because, again, our society sort of helps us to keep thinking from a self-centered viewpoint, like what mm-hmm. benefits my life. And so for, you know, non-believers, if, if they have any take on how, you know, religious belief might help a person, they think, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's a good add-on to your life. Yeah. But it seems to be spoken almost as a new app on your phone that, you know, yeah. Jesus might be helpful to you in some way. Yeah. And we say, well, it's not about him giving me stuff for, you know, there's certain wonderful blessings that flow from a relationship with Jesus, but what is missing in that kind of thinking is the whole lordship and submission to his rule over our life. Yeah. I think as well I've seen this 
with some walks where there's a big focus on like God is love, um, but immediately sort of rejecting any idea that God is also judge. Absolutely. This idea, so it's, we want the nice stuff, but... Yeah, yeah. On, it, on our terms. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think this is in the end, we really, you know, people want to have things on their terms. They want yes. Jesus on their terms. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I mentioned in my sermon on Sunday, mm. like, when it comes to dealing with uh, royalty, in this case, the king of kings, mm. the king yeah. has you on his terms. It's not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. But so often think, see ourselves at the center of our life, yes. of, of the world. Yeah. Um, and so we think that, you know, God should fit in with us. Um, yeah. Which you know only takes a moment's thinking as a believer to see how wrong that yes. is, or how blasphemous even that sounds. That yeah. you know God, you know the Maker of the universe has to fit in with me, yeah. rather than vice versa. Yeah, and to try to justify that, you just can't do it using the Bible. Mm. You have to think, you know, emotionally and selfishly to yeah. have that attitude and to feel that it's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, there are other influences there that are, are yeah. making your decisions, and yeah, and we see this yeah. quite often when you step outside of the evangelical church and even other branches mm. of the church today. Like, yeah. um, if reason gets held up as as strongly as you know the Bible mm. as yeah. an authority, or church tradition, or yeah. my experience, yeah. or my feeling, yeah. um, then what happens is, even though they wouldn't say it, those things will always trump the Bible. Yeah. And so it will become about me and my uh, my thinking or yeah. my logic rather than what God has said. Yeah. Um, now, nestled in between the story of the rich young ruler and the blind man that we've been thinking about is yet another incident that leaves the disciples confused as Jesus tells them of his impending death and his resurrection. Now, in your sermon, you were pretty forgiving for their misunderstanding, as it was both before the cross and before the coming of the Holy Spirit. But how can their misunderstanding, as we read this today, serve as a spiritual health check um, for us today? Yeah, well, I've just alluded to it a little bit. You know, are we focused on what Jesus will bring us either now or mm. later in heaven, or are we counting the cost of following the servant king? Mm. Uh, what we want to do is avoid um, the low EQ, <laughs> the emotional quotient of the of the disciples that seem to miss this. Like yeah. uh, I was mentioning on Sunday that in between these two sections that we were looking at in Matthew and Mark's parallel accounts. They mm. have the story of James and John yes. coming up to Jesus and saying, we want to sit at your yeah. right and left hand in heaven. Yeah. Um, and so Jesus had just shared with them about how he's going to his death. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, that's interesting, Jesus. But anyway, when yeah. we get to heaven, <laughs> yeah. this yeah. is what we'd like. How about that? And yeah. you just, how could they be thinking like that? They just seem oblivious to this crucial moment that Jesus mm. has been telling them about here for the third time yeah and they're just focusing on themselves and what they get out of what jesus might achieve for them in the future mm. um and so we can fall into that trap too where yeah as i said um, our faith becomes um something that just um gives us something that helps us in our life um mm. it, it becomes a self-centered way of, of viewing yeah uh, god's work in the world in our own life and it's just to miss so much of it. And and that's because we're not counting the cost. Um, we're not seeing yeah. uh, what Jesus has to say beyond um, what we're blessed with. So what are some practical things that we can be doing now in this life to ensure that we're not spiritually blind like the disciples 
and that we're seeing Jesus for who he truly is, that he is our everlasting king. Mm. Well, last mm. year during COVID, we did this series on um, worship and we were sort mm. of looking at the uh, the common means of grace or disciplines of grace um, mm. that we need to continue to grow in and to practice, you know, that we might have a close walk with the Lord. And so, yeah, again, these things apply. Like um, God has granted us the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have his word to read and understand, to follow. Yeah. Uh, we're blessed with being drawn into a people that are his in the mm-hmm. church. And so we have the fellowship that comes with that. Yep. You know, we can study the Bible with other believers, not just by ourselves. So we can be part of a home group or yep. Bible study. Um, we can be praying. You know, all these things are wonderful blessings yep. to us. Um, but if all those things are left aside yeah. and, um, you know, we just sort of, as it were, amble or wander our way through life without mm-hmm. using these wonderful gifts that he's blessed us with. Yeah. Um, yeah, then it's so easy for us, um, you know, to struggle in our walk with the Lord mm. and to find that, yeah, we become somewhat blind on issues. We, we're just not hearing, again, God's voice speaking yeah. into our life yeah, or other people's, you know, who are believers, um, yeah. giving us accountability, speaking in and correcting us, rebuking us about things where we're going off track. We need that yeah. encouragement together. Yeah, and they're so valuable just to not only just to be getting into God's Word and discussing it with other people, but I think just that walking alongside others. So you share their struggles, you share your struggles, and you realize you're not alone. Um, they realize they're not alone. I think it's just this mutual encouragement. Mm. So so important, isn't it? And we, yeah. you know, because of last year with COVID and so on, I mean, mm. it's still there in part, but there's been this sense of isolation for many yeah. people, yeah. and that's affected people in their walk with the Lord as well because, yeah, it's been harder to meet with other believers. Um, we felt mm. sort of thrown back on our own resources a bit more yeah. and, and then we can struggle in some of these disciplines and feel like, ah, you know, it's really hard. Yeah. And as we've come back together, I think people have been expressing often at church and I'm sure churches worldwide, yeah. mm. oh, it's so good to be back together because yes. I need this encouragement. I need to be spurred on to yeah. love and good deeds. And yeah. It's so hard doing it by yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's why the author to the Hebrews says, don't neglect to meet together with others. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's like the picture, um, you know, people often use the illustration of coals in a fire. You know, you take an individual mm. coal and take it out of the fire, it soon grows cold yeah. and, you know, it won't be able to go on. But it, while it's all together, it'll keep spurring yeah. things on. There'll yeah. be the heat and light that comes from that, yeah. you know, being together as God's people. Yeah, that's a really good picture. <laughs> now, in the past a christian in the west meant that you were part of the norm you're part of the majority but today i think we can quite easily say this is hardly the case um i don't normally like to finish on a kind of negative point but i think this passage is also a bit of a reality check um for us as jesus's disciples and i think both those with jesus in luke 18 and for us today this is a a reality check so what can we expect as followers of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I think Jesus is very clear a number of times in Scripture that our pattern of life um, or experience will be the same as his. So he experienced suffering before he went to glory, mm. and he promises those that follow him that it will be the same, that yeah. in this life we'll face many troubles. Yeah. Um, we're not to fear or give way to fear. Um, mm-hmm. We're to trust him. He's overcome through his death and resurrection, mm-hmm. but... 
this life is going to be hard. There's going to be difficult things we face. We're living mm-hmm. in a fallen world marred by sin. Yep. And so we have to expect things will be difficult, even though there's wonderful blessings as well and God's help mm-hmm. and his grace in so many situations. But, yeah, our experience is going to be the same, suffering in this world, but glory is yet to come in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so if we're expecting, you know, perfect um, life where you know God is giving us a, a comfortable route from cradle to the grave. Yeah, you know we're just not going to see that, and um, so we have to realize that pattern that's ahead of us, mm-hmm. and therefore we've got to be willing to count the cost. Yeah, um, I often think about Matthew eight when I'm thinking about this issue um, where Jesus is, you know, confronting. A couple of would-be disciples, and one guy is promising to follow him immediately. Yeah. And Jesus seems to throw a bucket of cold water on him, and he's sort of saying, no, 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 well, you need to think about, you know, what it means to follow me. You know, Mm. foxes have holes, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Yeah. And you think, wouldn't he be happy? This guy's coming up saying he wants to follow him. You yeah. say, great, join me. Let's go now. Yeah. But he's like, no, hang on. Wait a minute. You're promising too quickly. Have you really stopped and considered the cost that means to follow me? And then there's another would-be disciple who's the opposite, um, who comes up to Jesus and says, you know, oh, I've got to bury my father and I've got to do mm. this, that, and the other. And Jesus is like, no, um, let, yeah. the, let the dead bury their own dead. <laughs> yeah. Come follow me now. So there are some that are quick, too quick to promise and yeah. haven't really thought about it. There are others that are too slow and yes. they're thinking about hanging on to earthly things yeah. rather than immediately throwing their lot in with Jesus. So I think we've got to be aware that yeah, we have to count the cost clearly. Mm-hmm. You have to read those passages where Jesus says, well, you know, if you're going to follow me, you must take up your cross and deny yes. yourself. This is not the easy road. Yeah. Um, this is going to be the narrow road. Yeah. This is going to be the road less traveled. Yeah. Which, again, comes back to where we started with we need to recognize who Jesus is if we're going to truly follow him. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah. you know, otherwise we're... um mistaking him for somebody else as it were <laughs> yeah. um you know we need to know that with his authority that what he's calling us to hmm. um can be done you know he's asking yes. us some, something hard of us but yeah. he has gone before us uh, yeah you know he's saved us through you know his sacrificial substitutionary death um so uh, he has done all that's needed. Yeah. But knowing that we have someone that's laid down his life for us, we should be then willing to follow him, even though that comes with difficult things in life. Um, mm. Because all of those things are not about us just enduring, but they're shaping us to be more like Jesus. Yes. You know, how can we be conformed to the likeness of the Son, Romans 12, 1 and 2, yeah. unless we go through the difficult things? That was his path. Yeah. And through all those hard things, we'll learn to trust him more. Uh, we're going to learn and grow far more as a believer through the hard things of life than we yes. are through the easy moments. Yeah, yeah, so true. Thank you, Rod, for your time today. Uh, it's been great digging deeper into the last parts of Luke chapter 18 uh, with you. And perhaps you know, we can't finish on you know, the difficulties and negative. Like we need to finish on a positive note. So can you give us a quick insight into this coming Sunday's Sermon in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, and little Zacchaeus. Yeah, fabulous story that we know really well. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's a great um, example, again, of how Jesus will reach yeah. out to those that are considered beyond the pale. Um, just like the blind man last week, yeah. uh, he's not somebody 
that Jesus ignores, even though everybody else is. Yeah. Um, and in fact, he's uh, not only a parallel with the blind man in that sense, but he's mm. a great contrast with the rich young ruler. Yeah. Here is somebody who had everything but wasn't willing to give it up for Jesus. Here's Zacchaeus who is. Yeah. Um, and so he's kind of the fulfillment of um, Jesus' commentary on the yep. on the rich young ruler. You yes. know, what is impossible with men is possible, possible with, God. with God. Well, here's Zacchaeus. It's possible with God. And so I think it's just such an encouraging passage because it finishes with verse 10 that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Yeah. And I think the yeah, the excitement about that is that, you know, the gospel is for everyone. We need to have that attitude as we share yeah. it with those around us. Never assume that somebody yeah. um, can't come yes. to Christ. Uh, but also, you know, take up the challenge of that too, that sometimes we can be um, judgmental or think that somebody, you know, is beyond um, mm-hmm. God's reach yeah. um, when clearly that's not true yeah. and um, so there's a great encouragement and challenge to us in Zacchaeus great awesome looking forward to it can't wait thank you again Rod and thank you everyone for listening and look forward to being with you all again next week this has been a podcast of the Wollongong Baptist Church you can listen to past sermons and deeper podcasts and also find information about our Sunday services on our website at wollongongbaptist.org 